He's a trigger warning waiting to happen. This is the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Happy Valentine's Day. Yo, if you call it Valentine's Day, just turn off the show and drive your car into a ditch because I got no patience for you. And I've heard it about 17 times today. Valentine's? Well, why don't you shut the bleep up? You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Today's actually a sad day for me. We'll get to the happy Valentine stuff later on in the show, but upon waking up this morning, I found out that Kimbo Slice had died two years ago. How is it that I've gone two years without knowing that Kimbo Slice is no longer with us on this earth? And it begs the question, how many other celebrities are dead that I don't know about? I got to know who's dead. I got to know who's alive. Stunned that pseudo-celebrity Kimbo Slice is no longer with us. How did you uh, come about the uh, realization that he's dead? They were talking about Kimbo Slice on the Levitard show today. And they said he's no longer of this earth. And a tear slowly trickled down my face. I do wonder how many celebrities are out there that are dead that I don't know about. I know Prince is dead, but I saw him at the Super Bowl, so that's kind of confusing. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I know Biggie and Tupac are alive, which makes it all the more bizarre that they're making that documentary. I'm all confused. I don't know anything. And it scares me. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The Penguins won last night. They're scoring goals, bitches. In fact, they're 9-0-0 in their last nine home games, outscoring opponents 51-25. to That's 5.67 goals per game. This just in, the Penguins, unlike Kimbo Slice, are very much alive. They're rolling, baby! And they look every bit as good as they looked at times the last two years. Although I will say, in the first two periods yesterday, not so much. But there is one key that gives me hope. That even if they don't play well, they'll be okay. I'll tell you more about that at about 4.40. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joins me at 4.20 to discuss. Sean White went from hero to zero as quick as it can be. Blink of an eye. He won the gold. Everyone's cheering, and all of a sudden, as if from nowhere, the jackass drags the flag on the ground. The hell's that about? I actually don't care about that, and shockingly, a lot of people don't care about that either, but I thought you had to respect the flag. If Sean White was black, well, he'd have gotten more air, but if Sean White was black, He'd be getting ripped for putting that flag on the ground. I guarantee well it. He has found himself in another predicament, though. The Me Too movement snatched up and got him. But it got him a year ago. 
And we're just finding out about it now, if you haven't been paying attention. And I have been paying attention. Jason Mackey was on the show yesterday. We talked for an hour. It was fun. But one of the things that stood out to me was that he hates the Olympics because he says, we don't care about these athletes for four years, and then all of a sudden it's the only thing that matters. And I disagree because I like the backstory. I like the athletic events. My wife likes the backstory more, so it's actually an opportunity for us to connect because it gives you the personal stuff like a TV show, but it gives you the athletics of a sporting event. But now, thinking back on what he said yesterday, we don't pay attention for four years, then we care so much. Makes a lot of sense. Because I didn't know Sean White was a dude who had been accused of sexual harassment. I didn't know that Sean White settled out of court. I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't know that Sean White was sending videos of a couple mauling a bear and then doing it on top of the bear to a woman that he's friends with in his band. I didn't know any of that stuff. I don't know how to feel about it. But I feel like I should have been mad a year ago and not mad last night. But Sean Waite made me feel all my emotions. All of them. All of them very quickly. It went from triumph. That dude from Japan who he beat, that guy's smaller than half of Tim Benz. That guy is tiny. I can't believe that little dude got as much air as he did. But he did. And Sean White fell in his second run. And I'm thinking, oh, no. This little dude got Sean right where he wants him. But then Sean busts out all the moves. Nails it. All four of his jumps. Nails it. And I can't tell you what they were called. My wife and I were joking last night that if I broadcasted snowboarding, I'd say, oh, here he goes with the spinny doop. Big time landing there from the spindalong. You just make words up. Well, that's a nine nine four seven. That's a ten seventy five. I have no idea what the hell they're doing. I just know it looked really cool when Sean White did it. So I'm high as all get out. I mean, I am high on life. I am high on half pipe. Only thing that could have happened there that would have made me happier is if Sean White gave me the full pipe. But I suppose that's the issue. So I'm all excited about Sean White. Then he's dragging the American flag around, and I'm thinking, eh, he's not supposed to do that, but he's all excited. He didn't know. And he's white, so nobody's going to care. So I'm all excited about Sean. They cut away to commercial, which happens far too often in these Olympics, by the way. It's, all, it's event, commercial, event, commercial, event, commercial. My God. And when they bring us back, he's hugging his parents, and he's sobbing, and I, I'm not going to lie, I got misty, man. I got misty in the eyes. I was all kind of fired up. I mean, that was American as shiz right there. So it's been a roller coaster. The short Asian kid, the Japanese dude, that guy had me fearing for Sean White's chances. Then Sean White falls. Then he busts out an awesome routine. Then he drags the American flag on the ground. Then he cries and hugs his parents, of course, after an NBC commercial break. And he's making me ride that roller coaster of emotion. But then I find out that this dude got hashtag me too. So long before this emotional roller coaster, I should have had one for that. But I didn't 
because I had no idea that it happened because I didn't care and nobody else cared. And now it's convenient to care because the dude's successful. I don't often admit that I'm wrong. But I'm wrong. Jason Mackey was right. That proved his point for the Olympics. Everybody loved Sean White until they didn't. Whenever the story broke a year ago, it probably ran on the bottom of ESPN. Nobody paid a damn. Nobody cared. Nobody gave a rat's ass. And I'm not so sure how I'm supposed to feel right now. I'm still riding that emotional high, that emotional roller coaster with Sean White. Because America, duh, got a roots for him, yo. He's a flying tomato. But then he's sending videos of mauling bears and people doing it on top of the mauled bears. And I just saw some poacher get mauled by a lion on Twitter.com. And I cheered for that to happen. So I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who I'm thinking. I don't know. But I know that I should have been mad a year ago and I wasn't. And I'm mad at myself for that. That's the one thing I do know. That and poachers deserve to get mauled by bears. Or lions, as it were. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I'm going to ask this point a question, and I want a response. I want people to call up, because we haven't had a lot of calls lately, and I think it's because you all checked out after Steeler season. If Sean White were black... Would there have been more of a negative reaction about him dragging that flag on the ground? I'm saying hell yeah. And that ain't fair. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Hell, if he were black, the sexual harassment stuff wouldn't have been lying and waiting until just now. Y'all would have known about that. Not saying. Oh, wait, yeah, I did. Just say it. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I've been far too tame lately on the show. That's the problem. It's not because you people have checked out. It's because I got way too sportsy yesterday. What the hell is that about? I realize I do a sports show, but you don't have to do a sportsy sports show. That's what we strive to not do around here. No more! I've also done some self-scouting, and every time that I'm on location, I kind of tone it down. And I don't want to be like that. I gotta be like, I gotta be like me when I go out there. But I'm really scared of terrifying the waitresses and the staff over at Buford's Kitchen. If I were to talk about black people not being treated as equals, who knows what they would have said. 412-922-2874. Still can't believe Kimbo Slice is dead. More on that later on in the show. See what Clint Hurdle said today? This is rich. He said, quote, The place, the place meaning Pittsburgh, is going to explode when we win it all. I think it's more likely that PNC Park explodes because they tear it down and the team has moved somewhere else before they win it all. 
than this team winning it all and then having their heads explode. But here's my deal. I love Clint Hurdle. He's a really good motivator of men. He's saying what he needs to say to get his team ready. I'm going to respect him, and I'm going to respect those 25 players on the Pirates. Those guys, it's not their fault that management blows. It's not. It's not their fault that they suck. It's not their fault that their boss doesn't pay anyone. It's not their fault that the general manager is basically a puppet being operated from the inside by said boss. I'm going to root for them. And I'm going to respect what Clint Hurdle said. But what an odd time to say it. The Pirates aren't lovable. They're just not. And Clint's trying to get them to become lovable. But I think you got to sense the room first, Clint. Maybe don't talk about winning at all right now. Say, hey, we can surprise a few people. I've seen it done before. And he did. Say, we can do this. We can play good baseball. I believe in these men. But don't say when we're going to win it all. My God. Little tone deaf. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Mr. Anderson first up on the show today. Hello, Mr. Anderson. Hey, how's it going? All right, man, what's up? Hey, I, I checked out when everybody started talking about hockey. I, I, I know this is a semi-hockey town. They like to try to push it, but that's when I check out. I can't, I can't relate to it. Well, we need you, Mr. But Anderson. Don't I'll, hop off. I'll, I'll try not to drop off. But, uh, man, if this snowboarder, if, 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 if Clint Hurdle was black, they would probably think he was smoking. He must be smoking dope. I mean, come on, man. I, I, I like to get behind the powers, but. If we win it all, I mean, where did you get that from? It ain't happening. And I appreciate the call, Mr. Anderson. Please do hang out with us. If he was Sean Black instead of Sean White, what would the reaction have been dragging that flag on the ground? I'm just curious what you think. And our audience is primarily white because this is Pittsburgh and I'm from Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Is there a black radio host in this town? This town got problems, man. I'm going to have to be the friend. I am your friend. And I'm telling you without any reservation that if Sean White were in fact Sean Black, people would be calling up right now. That stupid idiot didn't know how to handle the flag. I promise you that that would have been the case. Coming up next, hockey. Sorry, Mr. Anderson. Penguins won last night. Jesse Marshall from the Athletic will join me to discuss that. Then back to uncomfortable race conversation. It's the Crowley Show. Penguins got outshot thoroughly the first two periods. Matt Murray saved the bacon. And then they scored six goals. Jesse Marshall from The Athletic joins me now to discuss here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Jesse, it looks like Matt Murray is playing his best hockey at the right time, no? Well, he's pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the last, I mean, I, you know, first of all, you acknowledge his age, I think. Anybody has to acknowledge his age. He's not even gotten to anywhere near the level where he's going to peak. Um, and to throw in the fact that 
the guy just went through an unbelievably difficult situation with the passing of his father that unfortunately occurred right before the Penguins' dad's trip. Uh, I mean, like, you know, how much more can you throw at this guy? Uh, he handled, as did Marc-Andre Fleury, I mean, they both handled the goaltending splits over the course of the last two years like a true professional's. Uh, regardless of who is in, there is a good support system there, and he's only going to get better. I mean, we haven't even cracked the we haven't even cracked the surface on this thing yet, Adam. So, I mean, to see him rebound the way he has is just as good of a feel good story as you're going to find in the NHL this year. Jesse, you tweeted out a video of the Penguins forecheck, and boy, did it get me excited uh, as they looked a lot more like the team that we're accustomed to seeing in that video. And you can check Jesse out on Twitter at jmarshfof. The Penguins didn't do much of that the first two periods, no, but they did turn it on in the third. They did, yeah, and I think that Ottawa's system has a way of lulling you to sleep like that. It's difficult to get through the neutral zone against them. It's difficult to do pretty much anything in the middle of the ice against that 1-3-1. We saw that last year in the playoffs. I think the key to the video I tweeted out, Adam, is, and this is also a statement about the NHL as a whole, you see a lot of teams in the NHL, Adam, send one really aggressive four-checker into the offensive zone to try to disrupt the breakout, right? So that's generally going to be that, – that pressure, although it varies from team to team uh, in the amount that they apply, that high four-checker is generally going to be true of just about every team except the Ottawa Senators, ironically enough. Uh, but, in the, you know, the Penguins don't just send one guy up into the zone and have him four-check, Adam. They send three. So – there are ways NHL teams can, and, and I think the most obvious way is by D-to-D passes. If you're under pressure and you've got a four-checker on you, a lot of NHL teams will go D-to-D. So now the pressure that was on that defenseman is now off, and the four-checker that was checking that defenseman has to shift and get over to the other side of the ice to now check the other defenseman who has the puck. The Penguins don't do that. If you go D-to-D on them, the first four-checker is going to stay on his assignment, and now a second one's going to come in to take away that D-to-D pass and to put pressure on that second defenseman. And if you happen to find a third player in the defensive zone uh, that you're going to give another pass to, the Penguins are going to go after him too. And it's, it's in waves. I think that that video really exemplifies that. They don't ever lay off you. So if you're waiting for a moment, if you're another NHL team out there and you're waiting for a moment of solace in your own end to make a breakout pass, you will not find it. If you wait too long to make that pass, the Penguins are going to bury you. If you make that pass too quickly in a way you're not comfortable with, it's going to be a turnover. So how do you handle it, right? I and mean, that's the real question. How do you game plan against this Penguins team? Because I mean, the video I posted last night, one after another, and they really don't stop at them until, until they've turned that puck over. My biggest sports man crushes are coming up later on in the show because it's Valentine's Day. But there's a guy that I have a man crush on right now that I think would help the Penguins out a lot in that regard based on his speed, and that is Michael Grabner. Uh, is that a pipe dream, Jesse? Because I would love to see that speed added to this Penguins lineup. Well, he's going to be available, and the Rangers wrote their resignation later uh, last week. I respect uh, that, by the way. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it'd be really refreshing you know, if the Pirates would do Ugh. something like that once in a while. But, um, yeah, he's going to be available. If you acquire him, Adam, I think you have to do it a la Mark Streit last year, where you need to find a third-party team that you can also deal with. Because, A, I don't know that the the Rangers want to trade him in the division, and, B, if they did, they'd probably jack the price up. So if the Penguins can find a third team to tango there, I think that they can make that a possibility. He certainly is a guy who would fit 
in a salary cap right now. I mean, the Penguins would have, with the prorated amount left on his cap head, I believe that they'd actually have enough space to pull that off. He's scoring goals like the Dickens. Uh, I... Um, personally, I just said like the Dickens, you, by the way. You, I don't did. Know you, you aged 50 <laughs> years in this radio segment, Jesse. That's unbelievable. Uh, but uh, you look at his speed, though, and that's really the thing. I mean, imagine him playing alongside Carl Hagelin. Um, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a team in the National Hockey League that's got an answer for that. So I-, I love it just because of the speed element and because of how it fits into the system. But if it's because they wanted to do it, they'd have to go about it in a very unconventional way, which Jim Rutherford has proved he can do. We talk about the third-line center all the time, but with Riley Shane playing the way that he's playing, I'm kind of okay with the Penguins going out and trying to find the best available forward that they can fit in. I think that would help the depth, and I think if you put good players around Riley Shane, he's proven that he can be a very good player. I agree with you, and, and, and I think you have to look not just at the fact that he's scoring goals, Adam, but how is he scoring them? All right, that's an important question. Remember that this is a guy who went 81 games without a goal last year. He did not score until the very last game of the regular season for Detroit last season. Uh, he started off the year this year in a similar fashion to the way he started off last year, where he just could not find the score sheet at all in Detroit. Uh, and, and you always hear the phrase in hockey, gripping the stick too tight, right? People say, oh, he's in a slump. He's gripping the stick too tight. And what that means is you're forcing opportunities that might not be there. When you get the puck on your stick, you're just shooting it. You're not picking your head up. Not assessing the situation. You just want to get off the schneid. So you're firing everything at the net from every angle you can to try to solve that. And, and I, I think Ryan, Riley Shane had a bunch of that in him when he came to Pittsburgh. But I look at how he beat Kari Lettinen Friday night. And he comes in, streaking down the half wall, cuts in on the crease, and gives uh, Lettinen the old shoulder dip, the old kickstart uh, to make him make the first move. And then Shane scores there. Uh, he comes in um, the very next game. Uh, and scores again in front of the net where he outweights a goalie and makes him make the first move. These are My point here is these are confidence moves, Adam. These are moves that a guy makes when he has time and space and he's confident in what he's about to do with the puck. That was an element to his game that just did not exist when he came here. It took a while to get back, which is understandable given the environment he was in. So as far as I'm concerned, the sky's kind of the limit here. They were just kind of scratching the surface of what Riley Shane can do. And then when you add in the fact that he's so good defensively and it's such an asset on the penalty kill. Anything you get on the flip side of that is just a bonus at this point. Speaking of confidence, it's obvious that Carl Haglund's playing with confidence. I mean, that guy has been on fire. The setup last night for Evgeny Malkin's goal was dirty, and I giggled, and my wife looked at me like she's never, ever going to want to touch me again, uh, which happens uh, every so once in a while with Evgeny Malkin. Uh, that's going to stick, yes? I mean, I would keep those guys together until the end. I would, and, I, and when uh, Patrick Hornquist comes back from injury, I'd put him right back on yep. that line. Uh, that was a, a beautiful combination for the Penguins. You think about it, it, what's crazy under the Mike Sullivan era of the Penguins, Adam, is they've, every season they've caught lightning in a bottle. They did it with HBK two years ago. Last year it was the uh, Sid and Kids line with uh, Connor Sherry and Jake Gensel with Sidney Crosby. And this year it might be that, ha- that uh, Hagelin, Horquist, and Malkin line, that HGH line. Um, that line was unbelievable before Hornquist went down with injury. They were pacing the same way that the, the Crosby line did the year before and HBK did before them. Uh, if they can get that lightning in a bottle trio one more time, they're just going to be the, the matchup nightmare that it creates is just unbelievable. And I love the brutal honesty of Carl Hagelin. When you ask him what changed for you in 2018, he says, I just skated harder. 
So he's not necessarily saying I mailed it in the first two months of the season, but I think there's a there's a comes a point in the regular season, and this is that point where you know you got to wake up and the games start to mean more. And nobody, I think, has had a bigger impact in those moments than Carl Hagelin has. So uh, he's back. Uh, whatever it was, the, the switch has flipped for him, uh, and he's feeling it just about as well as anybody else is right now. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joining me here on The Crowley Show. Jake Gensel had been in a slump until last night. Uh, we talked about Crosby and Malkin early on in the season and how uh, their volume of attempts was eventually going to catch up and they were going to start putting the puck in the net. Was that the case with Gensel? Was he creating and the opportunities weren't happening or was he just not playing well? I think Jake Gensel was getting the opportunities by proxy of who he played with. So I don't know that he was creating them himself. Uh, I don't know that he was last night either, I think. But for me, when I look at what happened last night, and how he responded to his fourth-line demotion. He scored both those goals from in front of the net, Adam. Uh, and, and you don't traditionally think of Jake Gensel as this net-front presence, right? Uh, he's you know kind of a string-beanie guy. He's still really young. He doesn't have a lot of mass on him. Uh, but he's so talented with his stick and his ability to, to, to kill pucks dead, for example, right? So you throw him a bad pass when he's kind of in the slot or in the crease area, he can kill that puck and get a shot off real quick because he's such a technician. Uh, so when you're a technician, you don't have to be limited to scoring from the dots. You don't have to be limited to these top-shelf snipes that, that go on highlight reels. All goals count, Adam. I don't care where you score them from. Yep. Uh, so for him, I think last night was just – a conversation about simplifying it a little bit and going to the areas where goals are scored and, and, and getting opportunities that way. Uh, and I think that if you think about why you put a player on the fourth line, it's, it's to kind of get those dirty goals, right? I and mean, that's generally what you see from your bottom six. So I think that was the message that was delivered to him. I think it was well-received, and uh, that was a, a teaching lesson from Mike Sullivan that did not last very long. <laughs> Jesse, I really like Aston Reese's game. Uh, you like what you saw out of him in college. Uh, he's gotten more ice time in every single game that he's played now with the Penguins. Uh, it's increased every game. Is this a guy who you think could stick on the fourth line this year or maybe somewhere else in the lineup? Because, uh, again, I like what he brings to the table. He's kind of like a Hornquist light. Yeah, and I think the question for him is what kind of player is he going to become at the NHL level or at the pro level overall? I don't know that we have enough yet of him to know the answer to that because if you watched – him playing college in his, in his Hobie, the Hobie Baker candidacy, he was a bull. Uh, he was really tough to handle. He's a size guy, like you said, very much akin to a Patrick Hornquist, a little bit of an energy player as well. We didn't, I don't know that we've seen that element of it at the pro game. And he's gone from being the biggest guy on the ice to sometimes now the smallest. Uh, so I think that there's still a growth period that has to occur there, but I'm excited to see what it turns into. I mean, I, he could turn into you know, against a like sniper because he has the skill set to do that, and he could turn into a Hornquist because he certainly has the skill set to do that as well. So uh, the, the book's not yet written on him. Uh, I, I like, I do like what I've seen. Uh, I like that he plays a good, uh, from what we can tell anyway, you see him in the defensive zone, uh, not wasting any time and getting involved there. So the 200-foot game is certainly there. Uh, but I, I just wonder what comes for him next uh, and, and what, you know, what the ceiling is for him really at this point in his career. Jesse, really good stuff, man. As always, uh, appreciate the time. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, same to you. Later, man. Thanks. There he goes. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. That guy kicks ass. He's got energy, and he knows his shiz. Love having that guy on. In fact, he was on with that station across the street during the weekend, 
And he actually made one of those weekend shows listenable. How about that? Coming up next, Penguins fans left early last night. And one of my buddies, Dan Kingersky, was giving him shiz. F that. More on that and the Penguins' recent performance next. It's the Crowley Show. My gift. And I had to tell her last night she wasn't going to have a gift today. Oh, no. Yeah, bad. Not good. Tom, would you get Emma? Tom and his girlfriend have been together, what, nine years? Around there, yeah. And you were how old? Uh, 23. Mistake, but go on. Would you get her? Okay, you made, like, the same mistake, so. Yeah, that's how I know. I'm just kidding. I love my wife. Emma, though, not so sure about. Anyway. Wow, okay. What'd you get? Uh, I'm just going to get her some flowers, man. You can never go wrong with flowers. Now, you said I'm going to going get her some yet. flowers. You have not haven't yet. done it yet. Oh, man. You're not going to be able to get them, man. Yeah, oh. I am. You're going to get the, like, the crap flowers. It's going to look like mulch. It's going to have been sitting there for so long. Yeah, the wilted ones like at the bottom of like the giant eagle bin. Those are the ones you're going home with. Like, How did you know I was going to giant eagle? Of course you are. That's the best place for flowers, yeah. but... Yeah. That's what you do when you're a lazy ass. Well, John Eagle has I, a great I question how long this relationship's going to last. Yeah, it's it's almost done now because for Christmas, she was expecting an engagement ring. Yeah. got a Yankee freaking candle. That's and, fake news. And see, I actually came in today and I said, is she going to expect a, a proposal on Valentine's Day? Because oh, that no. would be the next logical conclusion I would think so, yeah. from no, Christmas. But here we are again with wilted flowers from Giant Eagle. I don't see it happening, man. Here's the issue, Tom. You're a bad boyfriend. Yeah. But here's the other issue. You don't have headphones on. So you keep trying to talk, and we're talking. We don't have headphones in here. Well, go put some on. We don't have them that work. Get out of here. Poor Emma. And it's going to rain all week and into next week, so whenever he, she throws all of his stuff out onto the lawn, it's going to yeah. get all waterlogged and destroyed. Yeah, with that dirty snow water. Yeah, it's going oh, to be awful. If I can say real quick, I'm happy. Because I don't have, like, at the moment, a a girlfriend girlfriend that I have to get anything for. I've been enjoying the day. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to get. In fact, I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. doesn't include anybody else's input except mine. It's a happy Valentine's Day for Brian right now. There's a lot of pressure on Valentine's Day. In fact, there's a lot of pressure on gift-giving holidays. Yeah. A couple of years ago, the day before Christmas, I hadn't had... Bought a gift for Leanna. And that's bad. That's just being a bad boyfriend. I mean, it was bad. It was before we were engaged. It was terrible. It was just bad. I had thoughts, but I didn't know what I was going to get her. So my buddy and I went to the Galleria Mall in Mount Lebanon. And the first thing we saw that was Leanna we were going to pick. And it was these giant furry slippers. I said, Leanna likes comfort. I'm getting her slippers. Comfort. Comfort, baby. And I give her the slippers the next day and... She knew there was no thought. And ever since then, I've done a really good job every single holiday of having the perfect gift. Now, this year, I would still say I have the perfect gift. It's exactly what she wanted. She didn't get there on time. So we'll see whether or not that affects her happiness tonight. But I did make her breakfast. Are you going to write her a cute little, like, uh, Adam Crowley IOU? No, because I've pulled that one before, too. You've already gone there, i huh? pulled that one before, too. A lot of times around <laughs> Christmas, I'll buy her like four or five different little things so that if she doesn't like one thing, she's got something to make up for it. Oh, nice. I'm not the big one guy, one one gift guy. Spread it out. Spread you diversify. It out. I usually get her a couple little things, 
I get her an event type thing, like a concert tickets or we'll go on a trip or something. And then that way, there's an experience. So she doesn't like the gifts, there's an experience. If she doesn't like one of the gifts, there's another gift. If she doesn't like the experience, there's a gift. We got a lot of backups and redundancies there. <laughs> so you got to make sure everything's good. Now, I've had some bad Valentine's Day. Real bad ones. In Morgantown, we almost broke up on Valentine's Day because, again, I was asked by her to get a turquoise ring. <clears throat> As my voice cracks, you can see I'm still upset about this one. She said, get me a turquoise ring. Okay, how hard could that be? Valentine's Day. During the day. Drive up to the Morgantown Mall. Gonna find a turquoise ring. Now, I found one. <laughs> but, guys, this is the ugliest thing you ever saw. I mean, it looks like damn Neptune on a freaking ring. Like one of those big honking, oh my like, God. misshapen. It's a gypsy ring. Oh, no. And that's exactly what she called it. She said, you can buy me this gypsy <laughs> ring? She goes, why don't you just return it? I said, okay. She goes, did you get the receipt? I said, yeah. And I showed her. She goes, Oh, you bought this today. Oh, I want to oh. give her the receipt. It's one thing if you don't like it. It's another thing if she knows that you did it last minute. Now, right at that moment, I get a call that the edit bay is open at my WVU news class. And I had to finish my package. Because you put that off too, right? Of course I did. I'm yeah. always procrastinating. <laughs> so I had to leave in the midst of all this. <laughs> And she was pissed, and then she spent a night alone seething on Valentine's night because I was there until 2 in the morning editing my damn package when my package should have been, well, you know what I'm talking about. 412-922-2874. I want your bad Valentine stories at 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I also want your worst rejection. But we'll get to that later on in the show. Penguins last night. They won, but of course they did. They were playing at home, where they're 9-0-0 in their last nine games, outscoring teams 51-25. That's 5.67 goals per game. Josh Joey tweeted that. It wasn't my math, so you can trust him. Gensel scored a couple. He got out of his rut. One deflection on the power play, the other on a rebound. So right in front of the net, that's where you want players to go when they're struggling. That's where you want players to go anyhow. That's something the Penguins didn't do prior to the last couple of seasons. When they got ousted by Boston in 2013 in the Eastern Conference Final, no one was going to the paint. Penguins were trying to have flashy goals go in the back of the net, and they scored, what, two of the entire series. They go to the front of the net. Gensel, not a big guy, as Jesse Marshall said, kind of the string bean type, put a couple in. Good to see him get off the schneid because he's so important to these Penguins. If he's on the top line with Sid, you need him producing. Because Crosby's going to get him in the puck. If he's on the third line with Shane and Kessel, he's got to produce because you need the wingers to elevate Riley Shane. So that was good. Evgeny Malkin, he scored again. Malkin's got 22 goals in 25 games. That is insanity. That is so insane, Sean T can get behind it. Not one of my finer jokes, I will admit. But 22 goals in 25 games. Malkin's got 30 Two on the season. So he had 10 prior to the last 25 games. This dude is hot. And his goal was nasty. Set up by Carl Haglin, who took the puck behind the net, passed it backwards. No look. I think I'm wrong on that, actually. No, it was backwards, no look. To Evgeny Malkin, who took it, spinorama, lifted the backhand into the back of the net. It made me giggle. You ever do that when you're watching a sporting event? 
Crosby deeks someone out in a shootout and just go, <laughs> that's what I did when Malkin scored last night. And my wife looked at me, even knowing Valentine's Day was today, and she said, I am never touching you again. That is the least attractive I've ever been to you. Happens a lot in basketball when Saigaba Kanate goes up and rejects some dude. Or you get someone throwing a dunk down, you giggle a little bit. Tom, you've giggled during a sporting event, yes? All the time. All the time. All the time. That was a giggle goal. And then Matt Murray made that giggle save on Cody Cece. Where I went, <laughs> The Penguins were awful the first two periods. They really were. They were up 4-2, to two, but they were not playing well. They were outshot 24-11. to 11. Spoiler alert, that's not good. But Matt Murray, we talk about this all the time on the show. It's one of my favorite analogies. Matt Murray's a damn eraser. He's that good. He's going to win a Vezina, I think, at some point in his career. And he's playing like a Vezina-caliber goaltender right now. He stopped 30 of 33 last night. He kept the Penguins alive in those first two periods. And that save on CeCe going post-to-post was the athletic save that you're always used to seeing Marc-Andre Fleury do. So even when the Penguins aren't playing well right now, they can still win. And when they do play well, you don't have a chance. Hell, the Penguins didn't play well most of last night, and they still scored six goals. One away from the Chili goal. This Penguins team is starting to roll, baby. They're rolling. And Washington's butthole's got to be puckering right now. Is that too descriptive? FCC? Maybe. We've all got one, though. No big deal. They're only three points up on the Penguins. Last month at this time, the Penguins were nowhere close to Washington. And everyone's talking about how Washington's going to coast to win the Metropolitan Division. And all of a sudden, here come the Penguins. With the Flyers actually close behind. Something I wanted to ask of Jesse Marshall is whether or not he believes in the Flyers. They've been one of the best teams in hockey the last two months. How about this? They're 28 and 2, Philadelphia is, after their last 10 game losing streak. Last year, they won 10 games in a row, didn't make the playoffs. This year, they've lost 10 games in a row at one time, and they're probably going to make the playoffs. But everyone conveniently says, oh, the last two months, Philly's 28 and 2. Yeah, well, what if you tack that 10 game losing streak on? Then they're 2018 and 2, which is 2020. I think they're okay. I'm not worried about them the way the Capitals have to be worried about the Penguins in the rearview mirror. Some Penguins fans left early last night. That happens. And my buddy, Dan Kongersky, who writes for PittsburghHockeyNow.com, he's one of the owners, seeing Matt Gadgetcup, he was bitching. He does this all the time. He gets mad at Penguins fans for leaving early, and I like Dan a lot. And He does good work. This isn't personal. This is just a disagreement. If you pay for something, you can do with it what you want. That's the way I always felt. When you go to Vegas and you pay for one of the... I'm just kidding. But if you buy tickets to a sporting event and you want to drink 15 beers, do that. If you don't want to drink at all and you want to be the guy who's a nerd and keep score and you're only looking at every aspect of the ice the entire time, you could be that guy. If you're going to be the guy who drinks 15 beers and he takes 20 bathroom breaks like me, you could be that guy. You pay. Your ticket. Do with it what you want. And if it gives Pittsburgh a bad hockey name, then fine. But they still have the longest sellout streak in the National Hockey League. 
They still get loud as all get out for big games and for playoff games. If fans want to leave early, fans want to leave early. It was the night before Valentine's. And all through the house. I'm not clever enough to come up with something that quickly. I was thinking how my wife could touch my mouse. Did I use mouse? Mouse is in the original. And mouse really isn't a euphemism for penis, is it? I'd punt if I were you. I'm going to punt. If you pay for a ticket, you can leave early if you want. I don't got a problem with it. Neither should Kingerski. Dan, keep doing great analysis. You and Geico are doing great analysis. Don't become the D-bag everyone hates for something that's just not important. By the way, nobody's going to pit games anymore. Last night was a travesty. We'll get to that. And I did a classic radio move last night that you'll all be very disappointed when you hear. It's a Crowley Show.